Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. All right. Thank you, Barb. Um, yeah, if, if you were tuning in just now for Mary's story, um, you can sort of skip this part because she nailed it. Um, she covered all of the beautiful ways that uh, Paul was writing to talk about Jesus. And so um, I, I'm, I'm so encouraged that I get to follow so many great people um, and that I'm on such an amazing team. Um, if you're new to LBCF, we have a teaching team. And on this teaching team, we have a variety of talents and gifts, people who are great at so many things. Um, we have Rob, who's a uh, history and uh, economics teacher who is fantastic. We have Barb and Steve and Alvia. We have we have so many good people and Matt, um, I'm probably missing somebody, but we have such a diversity of talents and JC obviously um, of, of people who can do so many things. And so um, we, we kind of trade off and on on who's teaching. And so I get to take this week in the book of Colossians. If you're new to LBCF, if this is, um, if, if you're new to the community and you found us sometime in the last six months, uh, we are going through the New Testament in 2020. And so we are continuing that. We know that there are very particular things um, happening in uh, the world and in our communities. Um, but we are continuing to stay committed to this because we know that scripture points us back to Jesus and it informs us on how to live now. So um, so thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me into your house. And, uh, and let's jump into Colossians because we have one week, one week to cover the whole book. And you'll find out one week is not enough. But I will try to point us to what I think is Paul's uh, passion and really his drive in writing this. Um, so today we are going to be looking at the context of the book. We'll look at some specific passages because... Sometimes it's harder when we look at the sort of top-down, larger view of everything. Um, it's harder to know kind of how to translate that into a bite-sized piece. And so I want to talk about some of those bite-sized pieces and make sure that if if you don't have the capacity to hold the meta-narrative, the big-picture stuff, today that's okay. We're, we're still going to be talking through some of the specific, smaller, chewable passages. Um, and then we're going to be focusing on that thing that Mary just talked about, that Paul's view of Jesus is that he is what holds all of this together. This Zoom, this, this live stream church call, the struggles that we have, the, the disconnects that we might have with our family, the, the craziness that's happening on social media or politics or even your own faith journey, that Christ, that Jesus holds it all together and what that means, because we don't really use terms like that too much. And so I want to make sure that we that we talk about that and that we make sure that what Paul is talking about, that we get that, because I think that Paul, the reason he led with that in chapter one of Colossians was that he wanted to make sure that all of the other stuff that he said, all of the practical advice on how to live together, on how to be self-controlled, it needs to all come through that lens of how we understand Jesus. And then we'll end with a reminder that this life in Christ is what makes gratitude and thanksgiving possible. 
even in the midst of trials. And in Paul's case, even in the midst of being in a prison cell. So if you have your Bible, a physical, this is paper, by the way, to all of the kids watching right now, this is a Bible. This is paper. Um, it was created a long time ago. But if you want to open your Bible to Colossians, it's in the New Testament. It's in um, a section called the Epistles. So if you go to Matthew, keep going right, keep going right past all the big books, and then you'll get to these small books, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And um, I want to make sure that you understand that uh, Paul wrote this letter from prison to a group of people that he had never met, um, but that he had a friend visit him in prison and kind of give him a message about what was happening. And so Paul was in prison, if you don't know, because he was announcing that Jesus is Lord. And Lord is a term that they use for people who were in political power. Um, the people who actually had the power were lords. And so um, wouldn't you know it that people in power don't like being told that somebody else is in power. And so to sort of squelch that message, they threw Paul in prison multiple times. Um, he had a reputation of being a troublemaker, even in prison. Um, but surprisingly, in this letter to the Colossians, um, he doesn't ask for sympathy for all of the ways that he is suffering for proclaiming Jesus as Lord. And instead, he talks about unity and he talks about the church's need uh, to face this unique challenge that was coming up. But before we start to think he's superhuman or he doesn't feel these things, um, you can continue to read in things like Second Timothy, where he expresses that where he expresses that prison is lonely and that he he could use somebody coming to see him. And so we have a very real human person writing this. Um, and so Paul's concern for the people of Colossians, as we as you'll read, um, if if any of this is sort of new to you, I would encourage you go back. You can read all of Colossians in like half an hour. Or so um, that his main concern for this church is that people were being taken captive by false teachings. The false teachings that were coming up were um, as people would go in and plant these churches, there would be people shortly after that would come in um, that were really influenced by the Greek culture. And so there was this mystical polytheism, which they would talk about the sun and the moon gods, and they would try and sort of blend that with this new thing, Christianity, Paul wasn't having any of that. Um, he also saw that people were focusing on these apocalyptic teachings, sort of like the end times and big things happening. And um, But they wouldn't focus on the fact that we really need to put our hands and our feet to work and work towards the future. They would focus on these mystical elements. And as Paul addresses in many other places, um, there was this insistence that people who were coming to Jesus would also needed to follow the laws of the Torah. And so Paul needed to address this. Um, he That was sort of his, the hill that Paul died on was making sure that he addressed that. So the structure of Colossians is this, and I'll just go through this just so that as you read it going forward that you have this. But chapter 1, verses 1 through 23, it's focusing on Jesus as the exalted Messiah. Paul wants to get the most important thing right out of the way from the start so that we keep that in mind. And it's through that lens that we read the rest of the practical teaching. Second is chapter one, verse 24 through chapter two, verse five. And that's showing how Paul's suffering 
is for the exalted Christ, the exalted Messiah. The third portion is chapter 2, verses 6 through 23, and that focuses on the pressures facing the church. And lastly, chapters 3 through 4, it explores the new way of life that Jesus' resurrection made available. So before Paul gets into the transformation, I just want to make sure that I reiterate this because I think it's key. Um, there are many passages where if you're like me, the majority of my Christian, uh, my early Christian life, I was handed scripture in this sort of devotional, sort of one passage at a time, um, just teaching me how to be a good boy, not to do bad things, how to do good things, what good things to do. Um, but before Paul gets into that, which is kind of chapter three of Colossians, um, which is all very important. And yes, absolutely. We need to put those things off, which distract and dis and disrupt our work as heirs of the kingdom. But Paul wants to make sure that we get right who Jesus is, because if we get that wrong all throughout scripture, it says, if your heart is not being transformed through your commitment and your death to yourself and life in Christ, all of this other stuff ends up bringing resentment. It ends up just being noise. It ends up being a false sense of worship. And so I want to make sure that we get it right who Christ is. And so I want to read some uh, some bite-sized passages. So um, if you could bring those up. So this is from chapter 2, verses 13 and 15. It says, And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision, vision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. And the next one. This is chapter three, verses 12 through 14. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all, put on, above, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And lastly, um, for my little bite-sized pieces, is chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. It says, Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And so, um, we will go back to some slides in a, in a minute um, that I really want to focus on. But I think that even if you wanted to read Colossians, it's just devotionally and you just wanted something that you could hold on to and something that can help sort of ease you that may be what god has for you today um and so yes let's remember where we come from in christ's redemptive work let's look at our lives and hold it up to the form and mold of christ to see we, where we are needing work let's bear with one another and use our speech good lord for goodness and wholeness now let's put on love of course, but we have to go back to chapter one and read this beautiful poem, or at least this beautiful poetic description Paul wants us to keep in front of our eyes the entire time. So let's go back to chapter one, and I want to read this, and then we will 
read it again. So let's go to that next slide. He is the visit, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile himself to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. And so now I'm going to go back and we are going to reread it. And I want to highlight something that comes up over and over again that we may miss. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So, all things, no part of existence is untouched by the loving and liberating rule of Jesus. In Christ, all hold together. Or as Dr. Marianne Thompson, Marian Thompson puts it, nothing that exists, no thing that continues to exist, and no one that exists that does not have its life in Christ. And we see that word come up a lot, Christ. Um, and so often we just think it's Jesus's last name. It is not Jesus's last name. The word Christ is a title. So when we see the term Jesus Christ, we could also read it as Jesus the Christ. Christ being that description of the thing that was there from the beginning of time that continues to reach around things and pull it in, to wrap it around and pull it closer, that when we find ourselves in Christ, it means that we are participating in that life of everything being drawn closer to him. So Christ is not Jesus's last name. It is the reminder of who holds all this together what this is all meant for and where it's all headed.
It is why Jesus is the Christ. It's why he goes after the lost sheep because the lost sheep is over there and he goes around and he brings it in, wraps his arm around it. It's why he risks his reputation to go after the social outcast, reaches out and pulls it in. It's why you might sense his closest presence when you visit the sick in the cancer ward of the hospital. You're going out and you're participating in that life that reaches out and brings it in. This is the stuff that holds it all together. This is the life in Christ, living in the stuff that holds it all together. So yes, we can read Colossians devotionally and it will be beautiful and good. And there's so much there about how to be self-controlled and using our minds and our actions and our bodies to serve and bless others. But I really feel that if we get right what Paul seems to insist we get right, that the life of Christ is what holds all things together and is what making all things new in our life in Christ, living after that example of Jesus and looking at his life and saying, this is the perfectly formed human life. This is how we can live. That when we follow after that example, that we are living in Christ. We are living in the midst of what holds our pain together. It's not just a fancy way of thinking about Jesus. It's a participation in that life. Then our response, once we are living in that life, our response can be acceptance and gratitude. Um, not that everything that happens is good or makes us happy, but that we can look at the things which bring us pain or sorrow or trauma or grief or confusion or loneliness or watching my dad struggle or my struggles in parenting or my fear or my hopes for my children, and know that none of it is beyond the redemptive reach of Christ. None of that. All of that belongs, because in him are all things. And so if that's true, if all things are in him, then we can be thankful and we can be grateful. And if he is in all things, then what can our response be to the other, to the neighbor, to the stranger, other than peace and unity and love. So I want to close by reading a portion of Colossians 3 that I think really exemplifies what life could look like if we live in the example of being in Christ as he is over all creation. And it's from chapter 3 verses 15 through 17. And it says this, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so... Hopefully we can now look at all of the ways that this season that so many of us are in and be thankful, Lord, that, that none of it is beyond the reach of being in Christ, that it could all belong. God can use all of it, all of the confusion and the pain and all of you parents trying to figure out what to do with your kids for school and business owners and all of this stuff. Could we welcome that? Could we welcome that? Not because it's good, but because... In Christ, he can hold all of it. He can be with us in the midst of that. So I want to close with a prayer called the welcoming prayer. 
um, and it's a video and we'll play it. And then once we're done, uh, we're going to go back and do some worship with Jason. But um, I love you all. I miss you. And I hope that this prayer is something meaningful to you.